Hello and welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. And we are here with the part eight of our, well, as we've been calling it, the Wilderness Years episodes. And we are covering Captain Marvel 34 and 35 and Marvel graphic novel number one. So if we're covering Captain Marvel, well, who's been, I mean, granted he wasn't our Captain Marvel person, but who's been covering Matt Captain Marvel with us this whole time? It's Brian. So we brought Brian back. That would be me. Hello. Yeah, so I guess you're my I'm Captain back. Marvel Thanos guy. Yes, Captain Marvel Thanos guy. Yeah. Yep, yep. It's really the only Captain Marvel John dealt with was was in the two annuals. Right. And as as I like to think, I like to think of this as Resurrections, a Captain Marvel and Thanos podcast. So <laughs> you're like, who's this Adam Warlock guy? I barely see him. You you say that, but no. The fact of the matter is, is we've also been doing the uh, the recent uh, uh, Infinity uh, thing. So I've gotten a, I've gotten a oh, double sure. eye full of Adam Warlock of late, or or at least a uh, new Adam Warlock. This isn't the same Adam Warlock that, that you and John have been dealing with. Sure, yeah, but yeah. So we are we are jumping back to 1974 to first do Captain Marvel 34 and 35 because those two issues definitely tie in. Mm-hmm. With the annual, with the Marvel graphic novel number one, mm-hmm. which is also known as spoiler, the death of Captain Marvel. I was, I was going to say, hey, you called it Marvel graphic novel number one. Way to keep the secret there, not drop the spoiler, but <laughs> yeah, then you drop the spoiler. So uh, <laughs> we had to drop it at some point to discuss what we're going to discuss, you know, in the in the issues before it anyway. So it's we were going to get to it. Yeah, so, we were going to get to it before that anyway, right? Yeah. So if you haven't read them, go read them. They're all on Marvel Unlimited. Yes. So you have that option. Or, of course, you know, Comixology or actually buy physicals. Yes, which always an option. It's probably I'm I'm sure there's a bunch of reprints of these. As a matter of fact, that is how I am. I am reading them uh, in the uh, digitally released uh, version of Marvel Masterworks Captain Marvel Volume 4. That's right. Okay, yeah. Okay, that's right. There is some because I was about to say, well, maybe these two issues, maybe not, because even though this issue is by Jim Starlin, most of those Jim Starlin, you know, Captain Marvel collections usually stopped with thirty-three. Well, actually, um, up prior to this, I had been using as my source material for purposes of this podcast uh, the Captain Marvel by Jim Starlin omnibus. Uh, again, the digital version, and that one actually stops with number thirty-four, okay. given that Starlin plotted and drew it, but did not include number thirty-five. So I actually went out and got uh, Marvel Masterworks Captain Marvel Volume Four because issues thirty-four and thirty-five are the first two issues in it. Yeah, and I realize there are some now because between the Masterworks and the Essential and the Epic Collections, they do have mm-hmm. all all these would be reprinted. Right, right. But I'd say several years ago, like a decade ago, these would probably be the harder two issues to find reprinted. Oh, easily, easily. Just because of them not being part of the big Thanos epic. Right, no, exactly. They wouldn't have been in like Avengers versus Thanos or anything like that. Yeah. I don't think this was always considered like as, you know, reprinted as part of the Jim Starlin collections of Captain Marvel. Kind of like uh, up until not too long ago, Swamp Thing number 20 was usually not reprinted with Alan Moore Swamp Thing collections. Right. You know, even though that was his first issue, they always started with 21 with the anatomy lesson. Right. Exactly. I was about to say. Um, 
I'm glad they included number 20, though, because um, anytime you're talking about Alan Moore and what he tended to do with ongoing titles that he was brought in to take over, if you can include the context of the way he swept the tables clear before he embarked on whatever he was going to do, I think that is that is definitely uh, welcome in terms of appreciating what exactly Alan Moore brings to anything he did. Yeah. Yeah, I think if there's well, if they ever get to do a reprint of it again, I don't, I don't think any reprint of his Supreme Rum should not include issue forty-one. Right. Uh, you, and it depends if you read that, of course, or not. And, and I, I have, I, I've read his Supreme Run. It is marvelous. Yeah. Um, and also uh, his run on uh, Captain Marvel, one of his uh, Captain Marvelous to me, Captain Britain, one of his earliest uh, gigs. Um, all the collections I've seen start with him just basically blowing up the uh, pre-existing Dave Thorpe order. <laughs> Yeah. And 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 starting uh, starting kind of new. So it's all good. And I mean, that's what we love about him. And so, yeah, the point is, you're 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 right in that it's nice to have those perhaps not core issues, but necessary con- contextual issues uh, included when you can. Yeah. Well, plus to me, it's always if you're saying this is the complete whatever, you know, whatever creator work on something, well, then put all of it in there otherwise that word complete does not mean what you think it means you keep using that word (laughs) exactly all right well so like we said we're going to start off with captain marvel 34 so we are going to have a very brief synopsis so hold on probably a promo as well and then brian and i will be right back Coming back for the third year in a row with our extremely cool speculative anthology of all LGBTQ stories by queer and trans authors. It is called Decoded Pride. It's at decodedpride.com. And you can pick up a subscription today for only $14.99. Or if you go to any of our social media sites on Instagram or Twitter at Bitches on Comics, or if you follow us on Patreon or support us over there on Patreon, we have discount codes already all plugged in for you and you can get it for even cheaper so go check those out but right now you can get it for $14.99 at decodedpride.com and Sarah what is decoded what are people going to get you have stories of comic books you have stories of horror stories you have fantasy stories science fiction all of the things you know what speculative fiction is i don't have stuff that's just even just too hard to define genre bending what's especially cool is that every story that is not a comic has a piece of art that accompanies it we hope you'll come support us and all of the amazing creators we're getting to publish this year we are absolutely ecstatic again join us at decodedpride.com Captain Marvel number 34, Blown Away. Writers, Jim Starlin, Plot, and Steve Englehart, Dialogue. Pencils, Jim Starlin. Inker, Jack Abel. Colors, Jim Starlin. Letters, Tom Orzechowski. Cover art, Jim Starlin and Danny Crespi. Editor, Roy Thomas. Cover dated September 1974. On sale date June 18, 1974. With a cover price of 25 cents. You can find this reprinted in Strange number 77, a 1976 French reprint, The Life of Captain Marvel number 5 from 1985, The Life of Captain Marvel trade paperback from 1990, 
Captain Marvel, La Vie de Captain Marvel, a 1992 French reprint, The Life and Death of Captain Marvel trade paperback from 2002, Captain Marvel, The Death of Captain Marvel trade paperback from 2010, Captain Marvel, The Death of Captain Marvel hardcover from 2010, Marvel Masterworks Captain Marvel Volume 4 from 2012, Captain Marvel, The Death of Captain Marvel trade paperback from 2013, Essential Captain Marvel Volume 2 from 2013, Die Official Marvel Comics Semalung number 25, Lieben und Todd von Captain Marvel, Ties Away, a 2015 German reprint, and apologies to anyone who speaks German because I'm sure I butchered something there, <laughs> Captain Marvel by Jim Starlin, The Complete Collection from 2016, Marvel Gold, La Saga de Thanos, a 2018 Spanish reprint, Death of Captain Marvel trade paperback from 2019, and there's also a Russian reprint, but I'm not sure about the year, and also it's all written in Cyrillic, so, which I still believe is the name of the Russian writing. Please, if anyone knows anything about Russian, write in and let me know if I'm making an ass of myself, making more of an ass of myself than normal when I say Cyrillic or not. Thank you. Anyway, the Lunatic Legion sends their agent Nitro, the Exploding Man, to steal a powerful, top-secret government nerve gas called Compound 13. He is confronted by Captain Marvel, who defeats Nitro by having Rick strike his negabands together at the moment Nitro explodes. The gas canister is ruptured in the explosion, and Marvel successfully reseals the container. But alas, not before himself breathing in some of the toxic gas. And we are back. Sweet. Captain Marvel 34, the most cosmic superhero of all. It's still the new Captain Marvel. Yeah, because he only changed several a couple issues ago. That that you know we between how long we've been at this and also you know the 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 illusion of time and scale uh, that was an effect of the massiveness of the Thanos War saga. Yeah, it's easy to forget how recently. He had that whole, you know, meeting with Eon Cosmic Awareness stuff. And we're actually a little bit of that affected is something we're going to be getting into in uh, in this issue, especially in issue 34, uh, given some of the callbacks to uh, Rick Jones's life that we're going to be encountering. That's true. So, yeah. So on the cover, it's Cap on his back, unconscious. He's standing underneath Nitro, the man who killed Captain Marvel. Yes. And I... Wow, um, I wonder if they realized how accurate this was. Um, well, okay, a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of behind the curtain here. Uh, so, as I said, I'm reading this in Captain Marvel Masterworks, Volume yes. Four. The introduction is was written in 2011 by Steve Englehart, and he talks about that very thing. He talks about how he got the gig. Just to to quote his introduction a little bit here. Uh, so Marvel had a Captain Marvel, uh, which continued to scuffle along until a young guy with the new ideas got involved. That was Jim Starlin, who began as the artist, but soon enough took over as the writer. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And so it was in 1974 when Starlin had all the success a guy could ask for, but thought that he could be better at it. Specifically, he thought he could learn a few more things about writing, so decided to step back and let someone else write his book while he recharged his batteries. The guy he asked to do that writing was a friend of his. Me, Steve Englehart writing. Um, and what he talks about is, uh, uh, hold on, we, we, he, he gets a little, oh, here we go. Once again, I handled the dialogue. 
in issue 34 as Marvell succumbed to a gas which in years to come would give him cancer and end in the death of Captain Marvel. Whether or not Jim knew where this would lead then, I certainly didn't. Any more than I knew, Jim would decide he really wanted to step back and leave the book completely in other hands for a while. But starting with number 35, I was asked to uh, to not only dialogue, but plot Captain Marvel. So the point is, is that Steve says he has no idea if, if Jim had this in his head uh, at the time. So, you know, one of these days I'm going to have to try and get an interview with Starlin. And that is one of the things I would like to ask. Oh, that would be fantastic is, and very and very uh, mission appropriate. Yeah, it's like, is that something you thought? Like, did you actually want to do that, or was it just hyperbole? Because <laughs> you know, that's either would be a believable answer. Well, for all we know, for all we know, Starlin had very little to do with the cover. My understanding is that the the creative teams who actually produced the books and sent them in. Um, did not always like they like oftentimes the interior artist would do an image for the cover. But my understanding is that, um, well, I mean, Starlin I bel- did do the cover, but then again, did not mean he put in all the right cover blur. He just, he just had a, he just had the villain standing triumphant over the hero, absolutely stock standard cover image for any superhero book. My, and I would, I would say it's entirely plausible that once he turned in that image, he had nothing further to do with it. And the text was entirely, uh, uh generated, uh, and put there without his knowledge until it was put out. Yeah. Cause he wasn't exactly the editor of the book. That's true. For all we know, maybe that gave him the idea. Right. It's yeah. It was a sort of a back and forth thing, right? Yeah, exactly. So. Need to point out that this is not my first exposure to nitro nitro um not a top tier marvel villain so not one that you would encounter like turning up frequently in say roger stern's avengers or you know any of the other sort of more successful high profile uh marvel superhero comics that a person of our demographic may have been likely to read in their lives that said so there was a chance that coming across Nitro in this issue of Captain Marvel might have been my first if I hadn't already read some time ago the one-page Hostess ad featuring mm. Captain Marvel in which Nitro was the featured villain. Yes. So that was my first introduction to Nitro. And so now I come back and I'm reading uh, uh, Captain Marvel 34 and the first thing I'm thinking is, hey, that's the guy from the Hostess ad. Yeah, I've read him. I know at least I might have read him other places, but I maybe I'm not sure. I know of two places I read him about before this, which was Avengers Annual. I want to say six. They're basically helping the wizard rescue him from some kind of uh, some group that's using him for experiments. I think it's mm. Nitro because I'm mm. pretty sure he's the wizard's kid. Mm. OK, so I was wrong. Nuclo was the son of the wizard in Miss America, not Nitro. I mixed up my 70s characters of the, with end names, apparently. Sorry about that. So he was almost siblings of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. He looks, he looks older than that. He's one of those, it's like Quicksilver. Well, I mean, maybe that was, well, I mean, maybe he was, at the time, they thought he was going to be siblings of Quicksilver, because look at Quicksilver's hair. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm saying his face too seems is drawn in a slightly older fashion. I think. 
Oh, that's true. Well, maybe exploding yourself is like doing a lot of drugs or something. It that could you. be. That could yes. <laughs> exploding yourself on the regular ages you prematurely. I think yeah, it's not good for your skin, kids. Don't do this. But also in the Wolverine crossover issues for Civil War, he oh, fights Wolverine is and this, also Civil War. Right. I was going to say, is this the same Nitro who blew up yep. the school in Connecticut that uh, yeah. that uh, started this that, that got the the New Warriors in trouble and started the Civil War in the first place? Yep. Okay. And I can't believe I forgot Civil War itself. I remember the tie-in. Right. I'm like, oh yeah, the Wolverine Civil War tie-in. I'm like, oh yeah, he also was part of Civil War itself. Duh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was like the the big. He he was the Pearl Harbor man. But he was the annexation kind of, of the Sudetenland of the Civil War. He was Franz Ferdinand. Ferdinand. <laughs> no, he was the guy who killed Franz Ferdinand. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. God, I can't remember that guy. Uh, uh, oh, man, he was. I think it, he had like some sort of Turkish name or something. So I can't remember. Oh, I don't. Hmm. Now, I'm a history nerd. I'm expected to know these things. Um, yeah, but I, I like that stuff too. Maybe it's not a history <laughs> nerd. But... Come on, Wikipedia. Yeah. Gavrilo Princep. 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 Gavrilo Princep. Yes. Once you said the first name, the the, the last name came back to me immediately. See, kids, you're learning something. Yep. (laughs) It's funny for somebody who did. I mean, Captain Marvel is interesting in the fact that his status Mm -hmm. is higher than what actually it would have been. It was going by his series. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, he had that epic Thanos story, but really... If you take that out, there's nothing really in his series that makes him much more than, at best, maybe a B-level character. Right. But because of that, and the death of Captain Marvel, specifically, graphic novel, he has been elevated to cult icon status. And so it's kind of funny, though, that somebody who killed that character, caused their death, is not thought of more, you know... Is not better known. Exactly. I mean, or maybe it's because of the way the death was done that it really had not, you know, it wasn't Nitro himself killing him. It was Duchess son in a normal organic way for the most part that it's not like there's a villain. Yeah. And it's and it's actually um, a little bit misleading because Nitro, it didn't ex- Nitro didn't kill Captain Marvel. If, if, if knowing now what we may not have known then. Nitro was involved in events that led to the death of Captain Marvel, but he didn't kill him himself. That's true. Yeah, he's the catalyst. Hyperbole, people. Hyperbole. Anyway, into the issue itself. Into the issue itself. Because we can't spend an hour and a half on the cover. (laughs) I mean, we can. Well, we we could. You and I are perfectly capable of that, but we shouldn't. No. (laughs) Maybe we should just do a podcast where we pick an issue, and we'll just... See how long it takes us to get through that issue. Yeah. <laughs> of anything. <laughs> of anything. Just pick a random issue and just like go completely like follow our instincts and we'll have a four hour episode for an 18 page comic book. Oh, no, I'm talking about that. I'm talking like episode wise, like how many time, how many episodes we go through, like give ourselves like a time of like an hour yeah. or an hour yeah. and a half. And like, all right, that's it for this episode. Next episode, page one, panel two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> anyway. So we start off with basically a sort of recap slash catch up of what, you know, epilogue of the Thanos story. Courtesy of Mentor um, on the uh, Avengers telecommunicator talking to uh, Rick Jones. Yeah. 
they're rebuilding Titan. Uh, Eros is enjoying. Now I love status. that. I love that panel because here's Eros, and yes, okay, he's being Eros problematic and all. I'm the thing about it is, is in that panel, yeah, he's got two women hanging off of him. He's also got a couple of guys leering at him, and I'm thinking, yes. okay, no, yeah, yes, Eros is Eros guys. is like 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 I, enjoying I, life. <laughs> I think Eros is kind of like Captain Jack Harkness. Yes, if you. He's like, yes. hey, I'm Eros. How are you doing? <laughs> I agree completely. So I, I, I really did, did like that panel. I just want to go back to the splash real quick. Um, just I'm, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to drag us to, down too much. But when uh, Rick Jones tells Mentor uh, that he's been camping out next to the Avengers telecommunicator for like a week or whatever that he's been saying. Um, exaggerating, of course, but yeah. that really did take me back to when we first, uh, not when we first met Rick Jones, because that would have been the Hulk. But if you remember in the early uh, days of the uh, Avengers, uh, back in the very, very early days in the 60s of, of the Stanley Jack Kirby Avengers, Rick Jones was the head of that group of teenagers that hung out by the radio the and teen brigade. the teen brigade and basically snapper card for the uh, Avengers. Except much less annoying. Oh well, yeah, obviously, you know, uh, I've 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 had um, psoriasis that was less annoying than uh, snapper car, but that's beside the point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's so. Eros is enjoying himself. Moon Dragon went back to her monastery. Although mm-hmm. this is a kind of a weird look for Moon Dragon. She's in there sniffing a flower. It's like I really don't imagine her doing that. No, no, that's a surprisingly sort of like happy and laid back for her. Yeah. Drax has disappeared, which yeah, is worrisome. Drax is like, yeah. He's because like, now Drax we have this like, Right. Well, he's got we've got this now we've got this super powerful entity on the loose. He was created to kill a mad titan. The mad titan is now dead. And we can't find the weapon. That's yeah. bad. That's he's very, obsessed. very bad. Yeah. He's obsessed with killing this guy. That yeah. guy's already dead and he didn't even he didn't get to kill him. So problem. Yeah, but as 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 mentor points out, with Kronos once more unbound to subtly shape our ends, I have complete faith that all will be well. Basically saying, you know, hey, God's not God's not in the dock anymore, so it'll all work out. What's the like, phrase? God's in his heaven, all's right with the world. Yeah, that that's exact. That's pretty much what mentor is saying here. You know, that's only in my head because of uh, mentioning Evangelion earlier. <laughs> that popped. That made that pop in my head. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so anyway, Rick's like, now what do I do with myself? And I like that. Captain Marvel's like, don't you have your appointment with Mordecai Boggs today? And that's what I was mentioning. This has taken us way, way back to when we like our very first episode of uh, of of Captain Marvel in this podcast. Yeah, back in Captain Marvel thirty, he made that appointment because Rick is going to be a music star. Yeah. Well, maybe not a star, but he is a musician later on. You know, definitely established. He is. He gets musical gigs. No, no, that's absolutely true to the point where I remember uh, the second uh, arc of Alias, uh, the original Jessica Jones series by Brian Bendis, involved her uh, oh, yes. deal- dealing dealing with this uh, uh, musician or like, you know, singer, songwriter, singer in Greenwich Village who pretends to be Rick Jones, but isn't. Mm hmm. But because he because Rick Jones is also a a songwriter, a singer songwriter, like this kid gets away with it. 
because <laughs> you know it's plausible so yeah that's 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 what that made me think of yes and he so he gets to his appointment and he meets miss ms ms rachel dandridge ms rachel dandridge not to be confused this is very similar uh uh um Around the same time in Amazing Spider-Man, Peter Parker met his neighbor, uh, Glory, I believe her name was. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. And uh, uh, it's it, it just this it was right around this time. And it was like sort of a very sort of similar meet situation, like not not with a manager or anything like that, but where they like turn up out the blue and start sass talking the hero. And and anyway, the point is, is that so that 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 reminded me a bit uh, of of that's apparently a thing that was going around the Marvel universe at that time. Yeah. So, yeah. So Mordecai has set them up to be musical partners opening for bigger acts together Mm -hmm. without telling them. I really liked this though, because one of my big bugaboos or, or one of my big problems with when, when we depict music in non-musical entertainment genres, when you're reading a novel about a singer or when, you know, someone is a musician in a comic book, I'm thinking back to like Dazzler and stuff like that. Yeah. I always find the, the handling of the actual musical content of their careers kind of inauthentic or lacking. It's like every time, like, like God bless Chris Claremont. I, I love, you know, his run on X-Men was fantastic. That said, um, between Dazzler and later on cats laughing and like the sort of Excalibur adjacent <laughs> stuff. It's like they never, I was never able to believe them as actual functioning musical acts. They were always like comic book characters with all like in the most negatively stereotypical way that I can use that term, uh, the way they were handled. So here you know, glory up, uh, not glory. Listen to me. Ah, sorry. They don't all look alike to me. Um, sorry. That's you just a- had glory on your mind. And she is a much more famous character because she was in Spider-Man for a long time. Exactly. I have exactly. no idea how long Dandy lasts here. So, but. so Dandy comes in and she goes, uh, you know, I had heard there was a great big rock star in the making and I find a Broadway musical freak playing songs from the music man here, like just right there. Just the fact that they drew a distinction between rock and roll and you know the more like traditional musical theater kind of music is fantastic and then the fact that she's like giving him crap about playing an acoustic guitar she's like you might have heard of this thing called electricity you might (laughs) want to find it because dandy likes to boogie and i'm thinking that right there is the most believable authentic presentation of music or like musical product or musical life that I've ever seen in a comic book or otherwise um, non-audio based entertainment. Um, And I thought like, I just really, really as a lifelong music fan and rock fan myself, uh, I just found that I really appreciated that. I don't know if that's Starlin or if that's Engelhart on the writing, but either way, one of them like really gets it. And I appreciated that. Yeah, it's hard to tell how much of that was Starlin's plot that he's writing in, Englehart's writing in, or is it just Englehart going, all right, you know, pl- the plot was, you know, Rick meets Dandy, they're forced to work together. Right, exactly, exactly. But speaking of that, so Rick is leaving, and he has to say goodbye to Luann. Who I rem- who we haven't seen in a while, but I remember from the uh, controller arc. Yeah, and is, speaking of how they handle things, Great subtle way of basically going, 
yeah, they they had sex. Yeah, no, I love it. The night and their love and together. Yeah, that was goodbye sex. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, those the page before, those bottom three panels, I had to double uh-huh. check. That's right. Because Starlin, while he didn't ink it or pen, or script it, you know, he just did the, you know, you said he did the plot and pencils. But remember, mm-hmm. he also did the colors. Right. And like the way he, you can, he has his own style for that. Because like. Ab- absolutely. It's not just moody. It's also moody at night. Like it's a, like a, this is like one of those, you know, evenings. Absolutely. And it's also like blues and greens. It's cool yeah. colors. It's really giving forth a very complete uh, feeling and image of sadness and, and the ending and of a relationship. Ending of a relationship. Long it was. Like, like again, again, a surprising level of authenticity for such a scene in the context of the time this would have initially appeared. We've spoken about that on this podcast before, how a lot of the stuff that Starlin is doing here is um, somewhat ahead of its time, uh, not just conceptually, but uh, execution wise. Yeah. And so we get the reintroduction from a while ago of Carol Danvers. Yeah, we probably haven't seen her since the Arnold Drake uh, years of Captain Marvel. Yeah. And at this point, she's still very much just a Marvel uh, supporting character. Yeah, at least issues 18 or 17 or whenever it was she, you know, is uh, retconned to be when she got her powers. Right. But she so she would theoretically have them here. But but I don't we think don't, I, they haven't they haven't thought of that. Yet. Exactly. Oh, and also on that page is, I think, the first explosion of several in this issue, which are all come out as boom. Boom. Yes. <laughs> God, I love that. So, yeah, Friends Nitro shows Marvel. up. Yep. Nitro shows up and steals their compound 13. Yes. I mean, they might have just called it, you know, something X. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, what was what was uh, Baron's young Baron adhesive. Zemo's adhesive adhesive X? Yes. So he steals the adhesive X. By the way, awesome panel on the page there where he's uh, he's saying me at that uh, the bread explosion. Yeah, yeah. Although it's I'm another trying, I actually have issues with that panel because I'm desperately trying to figure out the anatomy on Carol there. Is like is her neck giraffe long and her head turned up to the side? Oh yeah, the it, neck is a little long. You're right. Now I look at it. Yeah, it's the neck not a hundred. It looks like she's tearing her own head off, frankly. And it's just it's a, it's a somewhat like I don't think that's the level of disturbing that Starlin was going for with this. So it's a, a bit of a flub on that on an artistic front. I mean, I'm gonna take I'll take it for narrative purposes, but it just bears it yeah. it, it bears remarking upon. No, you're right. That neck part is a little weird. I wasn't looking at that. I was looking at the rest of it. But you're right. That neck it kind of looks like he drew with a turtleneck, but he also drew the regular amount of neck that would show from just a regular shirt. Right, right. And her head or even is a shirt like way like too a bit far of a away. Cut. Or like yeah. a shirt that has not not low cut, but just a bit of a cut, right to the front. Right. So you would see a bit more of the neck, and it's like combining the both. Like she has a V, she has a turtleneck on, but we're also going to show the same amount of neck as a normal shirt. It's like wait, that doesn't work. We also do need. We also have not yet mentioned that Nitro is uh, undertaking all of these shenanigans on behalf of some shady hitherto for unknown uh, outfit called the Lunatic Legion, which in context sounds like alien bunch that steals humans and turns them into bad things and then unleashes them on the planet earth for 
their own nefarious purposes. Wow, what a completely random guess. <laughs> actually, that is that is actually the that for me, I did not look them up or anything like that. That comes entirely entirely out of the three panel four three or four panel introduction uh to um nitro that we get right before we meet dandy they 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 tell him over the over the radio uh agent nitro and then they say you were the most difficult of our converts but you did do not fancy that your return to the planet of your birth removes you from our complete authority this is your assignment boom it's all right there which begs the question of why they would call themselves the lunatic legion that's such a late yeah. 60s early 70s marvel move but nevertheless there it is i can't say much more because that's basically all i know about them i've not really read much stuff with the lunatic legion although you gotta admit it's a great name it's a it, it's it's a very yeah it is it's an okay name i mean it's it fun does, I, like I mean it. <laughs> it's fun it's fun but in at this late date i have the same problem with it i have with you know like the 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 masters of evil calling themselves the masters of evil it's like why why call yourself evil like that doesn't make sense everybody's the hero of their own damn story true you know the legion of doom <laughs> Anyway, speaking of the Lunatic Legion, yes. so real quick now, I'm on the page where Nitro has stolen the truck, and right. he crashes into Mordecai, Rick, and Dandy driving. Okay, yep. Now, so looking at that page and looking at Nitro's reaction, is that intentional or accidental accident? Um, I'm going to say accidental. Yes, because here it's accidental, but when we get to the next issue... Apparently, it was supposed to, I guess it's on purpose, because when you get the next issue, they kind of say Nitro screwed up his, his assignment to kill Rick Jones. Yee, oh, I see, I see, I'd forgotten, I'd forgotten you're right, because then they send the living laser to complete, complete yeah, the like, job. it's like, um, what, but I don't what think assignment was, to kill Rick Jones? That, I thought that, his assignment was to steal Compound 13, that, who knew even knew that Rick Jones was going to be there? Yeah, exactly. Well, the Lunatic Legion did, I guess. Exactly. Ah, that... That sounds like some very, very kludgy after the fact retconning going on there. Well, I'm going to choose to different people taking over the plotting and writing now. Exactly. This is the way to go. Exactly. Which did happen quite a bit back then. I mean, how many times would you go, you know, read something like that's not what happened? Right. Except apparently it was. I what guess it happened. Now. I guess. But yeah. Uh, he hits them and then decides he's going to take their car. <laughs> and I like how Rick's going to take him. Like, Rick's like, I'm going to fight him. Yeah, yeah. Actually, well, first, you know. Mordecai tries to talk him down. He, he's like a less sleazy, funky Flashman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, he's still sleazy, though. I mean, I, I took still- great. I did take great satisfaction in uh, Nitro offhandedly, like, just punching him in the face and laying him out. Oh, he is a bit sleazy, and like he changes these things on them without telling them. But, like for instance, here's this psycho who runs into you, and now he's ranting and raving, and he goes to talk to him. Doesn't yeah. send, doesn't send the younger guy, who maybe you could theoretically say, well, you could fight him. Yeah, it's like no, or deal with him, or you, you know, you deal with danger because I'm old. It's like he goes first. He also does insist a lot. Granted, he he uses it to he still spins it later on in the next issue, but he's the one that insists to Rick. Go to the hospital. Right. You know, I, I think... He's not completely abhorrent. He just is like... it's he like He's like, oh my God, is he okay? And then his first thought after that is, 
ooh, how can we spin this? Well, you know, you know there's not well, that much of a pause. Like right. it's right there for him. It's like, ooh, how do we work this? How can we make some money out of this? Hmm. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, I sort of get the sense off of him. I mean, as far as the hospital thing goes, I mean, we'll get to that when we get to it. But as far as the hospital thing goes, I really get the sense that that is um, that was Mordecai protecting his investment. The sense I get off Mordecai um, is that he's he is like he's completely he's he's in a bubble. Like to use a modern terminology, he's in a bubble. He has absolutely no um, ability to. Uh, really think about anything outside of his immediate self or concerns. And I think, you know, so obviously he's aware of the superhero thing, but he's like, holy crap, I have this kid here who's going to play guitar for me and who knows the superheroes. That's huge. You know, like he, he thinks of Rick Jones as this big thing exclusively because Rick Jones is a link to this world of superheroes that I will never otherwise come into contact with because I'm just a simple music promoter or whatever. He's just entirely within that own limited sphere of his own interest. So the point is when he sees this guy, I don't think he says, oh my God, a supervillain. They're so common in this universe. He's like, hey, this is a normal situation and I'm going to handle it like I would any other normal situation because this couldn't possibly be one of those weird situations that Rick Jones is so useful well, to on true. account he might of not think it's a super superheroes. Right. But the guy is still rends you down and then he's screaming at you. Yeah, but again, so very limited imagination person. on this Boggs character well, is my that point. That is true. Yeah, I'm just going with he's not complete. He, I would not put him under the completely abhorred category. Well, right. If Funky Flashman is a 10 out of 10, Mordecai's not more than a 7, but he's definitely more than a 5 on the sleazy scale, is my yeah. point. So, <laughs> it's 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 degrees. Degrees. So, yeah, anyway, I'm yeah. Saying, I'm saying degrees. I'm just saying yeah. he's not as horrible. So, we, uh, we, we, um, Rick gets Quantum and Woody clang. Oh, yeah. After Rick does his ass click, yeah, he does the clang. <laughs> That's what I can't help but think of that. Every time I see Katang, I think clang. <laughs> <laughs> um and once again it's Captain Marvel and he turns up and we get another big ex- big explosion and this one ain't foom this one is bafoom yes yeah there's a lot of fooms here there's, I I mean I thought might I miss one but there's a, this is at least the third that has foom yes yes and I love it here actually because this this is the 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 buffoon is rendered in a double page spread, a true rarity at this time mm-hmm. in comic books, and it is just dynamic. And you've got stones flying, and you've got uh, Captain Marvel flying, like not flying like he normally does, but being flung towards the camera by the force of the explosion. And it's just an absolutely phenomenal two giant two-page spread of comic book art and it especially looks nice uh in the digitally cleaned up reprodu- reproduced version in the masterworks i uh, recommend it highly yeah and then i like how they do nitro coming reforming i like how that, that's done that's pretty cool looking yeah the yeah. sort of yeah like all the smoke like forming around like the shape mm-hmm. of a person mm-hmm. that's pretty cool but yeah so we get the fighting and more yep. fooms and another foom yep and uh, everyone runs, and uh, he uh, knocks out Captain Marvel with this foom, and he runs, takes the car, Nitro, that is, takes and the, the car and runs. And the compound 13. Mm-hmm. And now Carol 
meets up with him and explains that this compound 13 is the ultimate achievement of biological research, the final nerve gas, instant death. The compound in that tank, if released at this spot, would destroy every living thing in the state of Indiana. Why would you create this thing? I know. Why does the why does this exist? And if it is this unbelievably deadly, why did you have a grand total of three soldiers handling its transfer in a world full of supervillains? Yeah, I think she misspoke when she said compound 13 is the ultimate achievement of biological research. It was supposed to be compound 13 is the stupidest idea in biological research. Yes. Uh, like, why did you do this? Hey, I thought of something. Yeah, it's going to kill all of us. Keep thinking. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, let's do that thing. No, no, don't do that thing. Stop. And the reason we have to do these two issues together is because it's instant death. But the next issue is we have an antidote. I mean, yes, it has to be administered immediately. But, like, how immediately if it's instant death? Yeah. I mean, do you basically, like, have to have the antidote in your hand ready to go? If, like, I snip, good. (laughs) Like, you got, like, that, like, what, half a second window is that the instantly quick quick brief uh quick brief tangent here real quick but uh, i have of late been reading the um uh, irredeemable and incorruptible the uh, entwined uh series by mark wade that oh yes and they're absolutely fantastic recommended to everybody um so have you, you you've read them I don't um, think I've read all of them, but I, it's been a long time. I have to reread them because I barely. Right. Well, anyway, I don't remember details, but I remember this. I remember the the broad uh, the broad pictures. strokes is the, you know the the Superman of this world goes you know crazy, um, loses his 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 grip emotionally and becomes like the greatest mass murderer in history, like completely wipes out entire entire states basically. Um, yeah just in his rage and anger and with his amazing super abilities. And the point is I immediately hearkened back to that when I thought of compound 13 could do this. And I'm like, amateur. Yeah. <laughs> cause I'm, cause recently I've been reading of these like really mass scale destructions wrought by the Plutonian in irredeemable. And I'm like, Oh, I see. So anyway, carry on. But I just, that's what that made me think of. But yeah, so uh, he catches up and stops the car in a very mm-hmm. Superman type way of like grabbing the car from the back and just holding it. And like uh, it. Uh, it can't be. It is. You never learn creep. I love the way creep is a standard insult hurled by villains at heroes. Yeah. <laughs> and we get another foom. Right. And uh, we get another fist fight. But uh, before pow, that, he pow. realizes. Oh, sorry. Go on. He just says, I just like, you know, it's just like punch, 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 you know, and foom. But oh, you that's were saying, right, the final one. But I was gonna say before that though is uh, he realizes that the compound is leaking now. Right, so he has to end this quick so he can deal with the canister leaking. Yeah, but it's a good smart move now because he's obviously the problem is you keep punching nitro, but he he's just gonna explode. So you have to overload him. Right. So turns into Rick, and when nitro goes to blow up, blow them up, Rick does a katang, and apparently it's too much for nitro. Yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly the mechanics of this, but we'll just call it applied phlebotinum and move on. Yeah, that works for me. Okay. Basically, nitro just basically it, it, what ends up obviously happening is it just took nitro a long time to reform because he's right. obviously not dead. Yeah, because we will see him again. But yeah. uh, so he with his I won't say bare hands because he is wearing his costume, but uh, he um, basically uh, manually crimps the canister 
And but in the process, he is exposed to the lethal compound, and uh, he uh, collapses. He, uh, succumbs. He he collapses. Correct. There endeth the issue. And on an ominous note, because it does say in the mean to, in the negative zone, Rick Jones feels his one chance of ever seeing the, the sun again slowly, slowly cease to breathe. And it's yeah. like he's dying now. That, as it turns out, based on a mechanic of their little relationship that we are reminded of in the next issue, that turns out to be kind of a big fat lie. And I have issues, but we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, though, that's unfortunately this happened a lot, especially when a different creator would take over. Right. And so now as after after issue 34, Starlin, as we mentioned, steps back entirely. He is no longer involved with Captain Marvel. So now Engelhart is the plotter and Mike Friedrich. Uh, takes over the scripting duties. And most notably for me in reading uh, issue 35, we bring in Alfredo Alcala as the artist. Yes. And his art style is significantly different from any that has gone before with these characters. By the way, I just want to say real quick, I was amused in the Englehart thing you read before where he said, you know, Starlin chose to step away for a while. You mean until long after the series is canceled with yeah. issue 62 and several issues. And then he gets several issues of Marvel Spotlight for his own. You mean after yeah. that, like for the next eight years? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's right. I mean, well, it's kind of funny. Maybe he planned to, but it's just kind of funny. It's like he never came back. No, you're, 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 you're right. He stepped back. We lost track of him for a while. But before let's do we got so we're gonna do thirty five next, so hold on, let's drop in a quick 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 synopsis. Yes. And probably our second promo, and then we'll be right back here. In all his decades of publishing history, one event has affected Superman more than any other. Worlds lived, worlds died, and that was only the beginning. Superman was never the same. Presenting Superman in Crisis. Available weekly from January 3rd, 2022 at johnreadscomics.com. Captain Marvel 35, Deadly Genesis. Writers, Steve Englehart, plot, and Mike Friedrich, script. Artist, Alfred Alcala. Colors, Glenna Sween. Letters, Tom Orzeszowski. Cover art, Ron Wilson, Frank Giacoya, and Danny Crespi. Editor, Roy Thomas. Cover date, November 1974. On sale date, August 20th, 1974, with a cover price of 25 cents. You can find this reprinted in Strange Number 78, a 1976 French reprint, Marvel Masterworks, Captain Marvel Volume 4 from 2012, and Essential Captain Marvel Volume 2 from 2013. Rick Jones is trapped in the negative zone and is attacked by Annihilus, but is then switched out by Captain Marvel, who can only stand Earth for three hours at a time. Annihilus takes Captain Marvel back to his lair. The Supreme Intelligence contacts Rick and tells him he has the ability to control Captain Marvel, who has been unconscious this whole time. Rick uses Marvel to attack and subdue Annihilus. The Lunatic Legion sends their agent, the Living Laser, to kill Rick Jones but Rick is rescued by Ant-Man and the Wasp, who were in the same hospital at the time of the attack. And we are back again. 
Captain Sweet. Marvel 35. Mm-hmm. With the living laser strikes again. And my God, I forgot how bad the living laser's costume was before they kind of just changed him into an actual laser human. Right, right. The 80s hadn't happened yet, so anything laser was not really looking cool yet. This was, yeah, he's, uh, is it wrong me to say that's pretty ugly? Yeah, oh, no, no, not at all. Not, not at all. It's very, it's very Jack Kirby. I mean, it's very Jack Kirby. And so it doesn't, it's, it's about, it's probably a good four or five years past its sell-by date, visually speaking. <laughs> at least. Who did? Because the Living Laser, I thought, was a Iron Man villain, so he might have been like uh, Don Heck, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But the design, I'm just saying, you know, like, like. But it could still be still, a Kirby design. Yeah, I look because just look, look at him on the cover here, and I'm not sure who did this uh, cover art. I mean, that's a straight up out of like it's uh, looking to me like something that could have come right out of the Fourth World. Ron Wilson and Frank Giacoya. Ah, okay. That's what I'm showing. Um, oh, that makes. It could have been Kirby doing designing on it, but according to Wikipedia, it's created by Stan Lee and Don Heck. Oh, so you called it. You called it. Man, the, there was there was a certain aesthetic around Marvel at that time, however, so Kirby was functionally the artistic director. But anyway, the yeah. point is, I'm not really familiar with The Living Laser. I mean, it's a name I'd heard many times, but I don't know that I've actually read a comic book before now that actually features The Living Laser. So I don't know like the the juxtaposition of elements on this cover is is blowing my mind a little because you call him the living laser but it's like it looks like in his right hand he's holding a wand of some kind and again I don't know how he functions or how he works or anything like that but he's holding this thing in such a way and the 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 captain marvel ethereal form is bubbling up out of Rick's head in a sort of column of smoke. It makes it look like the living laser is pouring some kind of noxious chemical potion over Rick Jones, which makes no sense. This is actually, I'm going to go right on record and say, this is a, this is not a good cover. This, this cover is not well done. Yeah, it's also kind of funny if you're looking at it, because, I mean, he's pointing this thing point blank at Rick, and it's one thing if, like, you just, it's supposed to be, like, the gun pointing at you or whatever, pointing at the hero. Right. But it's shooting the laser out and melting the the the, the rail on the bed. It's like, right, you're already right. dead. If I could just, damn it, I know you're unconscious and not moving, and I'm only about a foot away, but I still can't get this right. Yeah, it's like. Let, let me try living, a bit to the right. The living laser doesn't exactly have laser precision, apparently. <laughs> or any. <laughs> or any, right, exactly. So. Well, the problem is he's um, farsighted means you can't see near, right? Right, right, yeah. right. So, yeah, okay. he's farsighted. He's <laughs> farsighted and he's too vain, so he does not wear glasses with his costume. Right, right. And no, that's as, true. And unfortunately, as a supervillain, he has bad medical coverage. So he couldn't so afford contacts? Exactly. So no, that that yeah, that makes he's sense. Shooting where he thinks Rick is, he's just trying to figure out why there's it's, no blood. It's just it's just all a blur. It's all a blur. Yeah, no, this is this is this this cover makes me crazy. But <laughs> so, 
So into the issue of Deadly, Deadly Genesis. Mm-hmm. And you can already tell the art style has changed. I mean, look yeah. look at the lines, the, the, the detail. It's all, I mean, it's not bad. I actually, I'm not a big fan of the changes to the Captain Marvel design on the first page. But the second page, which is kind of like a... a, a, a companion splash page because uh, it's a full page panel of Rick Jones in the negative zone and um, actually the design of Rick Jones the RJ buckle aside um, is actually pretty cool I yeah. actually think this Rick Jones is kind of cool so okay so my guess about Alcala makes sense to me because I'm going like I like the work but it seems like it fits more in with like either horror or fantasy yeah, no, I know Alfredo Alcala. He he worked a lot on um, Savage Sword of Conan, I believe. Yeah, well, I'm looking. So I had up before. That's how I knew what date was. Uh, Mike's Amazing World, right? Comics, and I just clicked on the name Alfredo Alcala then from this issue. So I am seeing a lot of like his first work was Secrets of Sinister House, and I'm not going through okay. everything because he has a lot of stuff. But what I'm seeing here is a lot of Witching Hour, Forbidden Tales of Dark Mansion, Unexpected, Weird Mystery Tales, Weird Western Tales, Ghosts, Plop. Uh, into the 70s, you know, I see some Captain Marvel, but also Savage Sword of Conan, Kazar, House of Secrets, Dracula, Tales of the Zombie, Man-Thing. Yeah. Play, you know. Not a lot of superhero work. A lot of horror and, and as you say, and fantasy. Um, like I said, I'm, I, I had already seen, I knew who he was because I'd read his stuff in Savage Sword of Conan. Yeah, I mean, there's some stuff. There's an issue of Iron Man, there's some Hulk, um, you know, a couple a couple other things here and there. But for the most part, he's and I think that makes sense because he's his style seems definitely suited for that. Mm-hmm. Like, for sure. I would have rather like this is fine. But if you had told me he was drawing like an adaption of Lord of the comic adaption of Lord of the Rings back then, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I could see that 100 percent. Oh, I would have bought the crap out of that. Oh, God. Yeah. Hell yeah. But anyway, so, yeah. So not only do we have a new artist. Like we said before, because now Steve Englehart's plotting and Mike Friedrich is scripting and Alfredo Alcala is doing the art and Glennis Ween is doing the coloring. Right. So everything's going to be different now, kind of. Yeah. Including everyone's clothes from last issue. Yes. Because, I mean, Dandy had what now, granted, I wasn't alive at this point. And even at the point of the 70s when I was alive, I was not really paying that much attention to things like that, like clothing. Uh huh. But like Dandy's costume is what I outfit from last issue is kind of what in my brain and maybe it's just influenced by comics and stuff of what like people like someone of her age would have been wearing in the 70s. Right, right, right. What she's wearing is also like what he has her wearing this issue is like this long white like kind of ethereal flowing dress. And it kind of feels like more like what you would have somebody wearing in one of these mystery horror comics. Also, her hairstyle has completely changed, I believe, because in 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 the 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 previous issue, when she's in like the sort of uh, you're right, pant pants uh, get up. Um, she has a sort of a short uh, afro going on. Very and much this, like Glory and this Glory Grant. That's less right, than. right, right. Glory Grant. Right, exactly. The and same hairstyle. And in and in issue thirty five here, her hair has gotten sort of like long, ish, yeah. and straightish. Yeah. So, yeah, she seems more like at home and like an issue of uh, Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and I love that uh, Rick Rick Jones just gets into a random fight with Annihilus. I mean, it makes sense. He's in the negative zone. And I always did wonder, like, how him and Cap spent all that time in the negative zone without 
um, being all up in Annihilus's business more often, but uh, Annihilus just happens to show up and start trying to kill Rick Jones. So yeah, okay. Well, they face him. I said here before. According, to, I mean, I don't know if yours has the little editor's notes, but the last time was Avengers ninety-seven. Yes, yes. During the Kree Scroll War. Right. During the second time that Rick was bonded to Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> During one of the periods when the book was um, on pause, I guess we could say, or yep. temporarily canceled, whatever you want to yep. call it. But yeah, I'm forgetting. This... I believe hiatus is the term. Yeah. At this time, I know a line, I know Nihilus always was resided in the negative zone, but was he like, did he actually have subjects like we he does now? Or was it just, I'm the only one here? You know, in the 60s and 70s, I always got the, like, he always came off as... Like, like based on the way the negative zone was presented in those decades, you pretty much would have thought it was a giant void of nothingness with just Annihilus and Blastar hanging out there yeah. for no apparent reason. Like, which does, of course, beg the question, where did they come from and what do they spend all their time doing when random Marvel Universe people aren't incur aren't, you know, committing incursions into the negative zone? But those questions are never addressed at that time. Okay, so just it was just one thing I thought of because, like, basically, it said in here that basically Nihilus is bored, and that's why he wants to conquer the the right. positive universe because he's bored. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, so it's now too bad we, this wasn't fifteen years later because Rick could have just had a Game Boy, might have had a Game Boy with him to ki- kill time, and he could be like, "Here, take it." Yeah, and 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 Nintendo would have once again saved the universe. Yeah, he would have. The only thing that he would have been going for is like, look, I need the new Dr. Mario. Yeah. So like, I, that's the only reason I have to get to your universe, because I need the new Dr. Mario, damn it. But now we are reminded. Now we get to the reminder that I alluded to earlier of the mechanic. Here he says, because um, because he just sort of like pops back into Captain Marvel is still unconscious. OK, so we've really had no change in. Uh, situation between Rick and aside from aside from Annihilus showing up, uh, we've really had no change in situation since the moment which was described as Rick Jones feels his last chance to ever again see the sun of his positive universe planet slowly, slowly pass with each second. So once again, we are explicitly led by the narration to believe that Captain Marvel is dying and that um, if Captain Marvel does not wake up, Rick Jones will be trapped forever in the negative zone until, oh, yeah, must have hit the three hour time limit Marv has on switching into this world. Well, the way I view it is I think it is this is everyone in the 60s and 70s did so many drugs that uh-huh. no one had a short term memory, which is why in the comics at the time they have to do like a full recap, even to people who were there. Of events that they were part of. That's as good an explanation as any, and it also explains why Rick sometimes forgets who's the real captive of the Negazone. Yeah, or <laughs> like, that there's a three-hour time limit. That's why you'll have issues where they recap to each other, even mm-hmm. though they were all there together. It's like, as you know, Ben, what happened last issue was you were attacked, and then you came home, and then you fought this guy, and then we showed up. Yeah, you're you right. You may not remember, but... <laughs> Because this happened to you like three hours ago. So, you know, I, I don't expect anyone to remember this. Because I'm having trouble. I'm Reed Richards, and I'm having trouble keeping track. So Rick straight up lies to Carol. We do a Carol few Bob. lines first, and I'll be fine. 
Rick straight up lies to Carol here. She says, did any gas escape before? Uh, and ga- and he goes, my name's Rick Jones, lady. And the answer is no, not really. Well, lie. Not really. <laughs> lie. Which is always the answer you want. Not really is the general answer everyone gives and they don't actually want to say yes. <laughs> it's like, did this bad thing happen? Not really. Like, it kind of happened. It's actually very appropriate for someone Rick's age. It's almost like you're yeah. going to get in trouble for it. Like, they have that thing, like, a kid, you know, teenager or kid would have, like, I don't want to get in trouble for this thing that I'm not responsible for and I won't get in trouble for it. But I still don't want to say to the yeah. adult. How old is Rick supposed to be? Because he's drawn like a guy in his 20s and plus he's pursuing a music career. So I just feel like, you know. Yeah, but I think, uh, I'm, think, I'm thinking of him as older than he is. I mean, going by the whole thing, though, is that he was supposed to be like, what, 16, 17 in right. Hulk 1? Right. So going by Marvel time at this point, we're talking still like 21. Okay, so he is like maybe 22. Maybe 22. I mean, he's either, yeah, he's either, in, he's either the age to be in college or just finished college. Okay. Like he's not really that. Old. Yeah, he's like he's like a year older than Peter Parker, basically. Yeah, yeah, he's probably uh, yeah, or even about the same yeah, roughly the same age as Peter Parker and uh, Human Torch. Okay, and they're both in their early twenties uh, at this point. Yeah, so very you know he's still pretty young. So and if Carol Danvers especially is, I mean, granted with Marvel time, Marvel they always have to all of a sudden you know make it like oh they were only fifteen when they were in charge of this security. Yeah, exactly. But you know what I mean. But I mean. If you think about it logically she's in charge of security at the air force she's like oh, i think a colonel here and like she's in charge of security at like this of this major thing including she was in charge of security at that air force base yeah if she's anything younger than 29 it does not or 30 actually she can't be 29 i mean she's got to be in her right. 30s in her in her 30s absolutely and i absolutely envision her i mean it makes a certain amount of sense even when you incorporate marvel time because then later on when she's like warbird yeah. And, you know, uh, the later, like later, like 2000s Ms. Marvel into Captain Marvel. I get the sense that she's in her late 30s. Yeah. Um, so that works out. Yeah. So she's a grown up. Right. You know, she's what you're still thinking of as a grown up because you're just, you know, he's just getting past the point of I'm not a grown up. I mean, I'm, I'm a kid, you know, you know, he's getting to that point where you start, you might start thinking I'm, I'm a grown up. That's my that's my theory, at least. And now all of the stuff that I loved in the last issue is yanked away from me uh, because uh, Mordecai makes this whole like publicity BS thing about how you have to go to the Air Force Base at least to make a statement. And Rick goes, "Ah, I guess that's the life of a would be musician. It's like, no, no other would be musician on the planet has ever had to do anything like that. It has nothing to do with being a musician and everything to do with you being Rick Jones. So knock it off. (laughs) <laughs> so all that good music life stuff that I was getting out of issue 34, uh-uh, gone. So maybe it was Starlin. It had to have been, right, exactly. Meanwhile, he passes out in the car because now his brain it, it goes to where Marvel is. Just because. Yeah, it's kind of like a reverse of what happens normally. Right. You know, normally Marvel's watching him through the negative zone and said this time he's watching Marvel in the negative zone. And I guess Nihilus does have something because, I mean, he has a base. There's going to be something there besides him. It's not like just him hanging out on a rock. Yeah. You know? So there's yeah. something that he has, a ba- he has a base. But I'm maybe not loving how the panel is drawn, but I do love the concept of it, where Rick realizes that because of Marvel's unconscious, he's actually able to control him. 
Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. guess you could say theoretically he's inside of Marvel's body and raising the arm up on his own. Right, right, but right. But the way they the way they do it is like this ghostly image of Rick next to him picking up the arm. Yeah, yeah, and I do like cool. that. That is that is kind of cool, especially with this uh, the, the the panel. But man, how's this happening? I ain't God. I can't do these kind of things. And it's like this gorgeous panel of like Rick's face and outline against a starry backdrop. Really nice stuff. Very reminiscent of like how Thanos was done a few issues ago. Yeah, very reminiscent of Star. Like it's very much Alcala creating a link between his style and Starlin's for sure. And we find out why he can do that. Apparently the uh, Supreme Intelligence made sure that was possible because he has plans. Mm -hmm. And I love, I love that uh, when he does that and he gets Starlin, like uh, Starlin, listen to me, um, when he gets Captain Marvel up off of the, the pallet, his arms are out in front of him. It's like a horror movie zombie or something. Yeah. It's very cliched, but it's very like obvious that he is Marvel's body is not moving under control. It's it's being moved. Yeah. Yeah. It's being controlled by someone who's not really sure what they're doing. It's like, okay, I guess arms up and we sit, right? Yeah, there we go. Okay, we got it to sit. Awesome. And meanwhile, back on Earth in the hospital. So apparently they're somewhere in the Midwest because they say it's Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like, A, I find that I find this whole, like, hey, this, this tragic accident has revealed, like, like, I don't know how any of that happened, but fine, whatever uh, strangely specific newscast. And then <laughs> Hank and Janet just show up. Uh, oh, they, were in, they said they were in Chicago for a conference. Uh-huh. And it's kind of nice to actually see that the Avengers Rick connection from the other end. Okay. You know, not yeah. just Rick going to the Avengers saying, I know the Avengers, but the Avengers going, oh, hey, that's that's Rick. Oh, crap. Let's go see what's going on with this kid. Because too often when you get like these side characters for them, they kind of just ignore them once they stop appearing in their book. It's kind of nice when they go like, hey, you know, like that 17 year old who helped us out a lot. He's in the hospital nearby and was affected by a nerve gas. We should probably check on him. Because, you know, there's no grown-ups in his life but us, and we don't even talk to him. It'd be nice no. if we checked on once. Yeah. Um, so now we meet up the living laser, yes. last seen in Avengers number 79. And here's that part where another retcon. Lunatic right. Legion, the live, agent living laser. Remember, you are to not fail as did Nitro. Kill Rick Jones. Yeah. I mean, I can sort of rationalize that away by saying, like, yeah, Nitro's job was to... Um, steel compound 13 rick jones wasn't even part of the picture but then when the car accident happened like rick jones was sort of in the way nitro should therefore by the lunatics legion's rules have eliminated him and that he didn't is a is a embarrassment yeah so that's 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 sort of how i'm taking this true Uh, and it actually does fit with the name lunatic legion because you would think then you are to not fail as nitro did your job is get that canister right Instead, it's like, you know, don't feel like Nitro. Get revenge on the guy who made us not get the canister. Should I get the canister first? No, 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 no. Get get revenge on the guy first. That's right, exactly. Important. The, the canister, yeah, who cares about that? We're we're beyond that now. We're more fascinated by the string. Um, uh, Dandy's back to the hairstyle she had in issue 34, by the way, here, as she contemplates that she hasn't known Rick very long. I like this, though. Yet, straight as he is, Rick still seems kind of together. And I'm thinking, what does she mean straight as he is? Like, I don't understand, like, what her problem, like, what she's saying about him there. 
white guys in this 70s trying yeah. to figure out african-american slang yeah make it exactly. make sense yeah no no it's like that's I'm, my I'm, theory yeah no i'm i'm with you i'm with you because i'm thinking back i'm thinking back to the extreme cringe of uh um luke cage's first few appearances yeah I'm almost wondering if it's better just to make up slang. Like, it's almost better just to use Sweet Christmas because it's not, you know, or something like that because it's not used in reality. So, yeah, if you learned if you learned all of your urban street talk from exploitation films. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's I don't think that's that's kind of like me being a giant like, you know, um, anime nerd and it's like i learned early on that you do not want to apply the things you've learned about japan from anime to the actual real life japan that can only end badly yeah <laughs> yeah so like yeah like i said oh well whatever at least she, at least they kind of showed him the art and he went oh that's what she looked like yeah exactly okay exactly. okay i guess i, can, I mean the clothes are still that. weirdly changed but at least the hair is back to normal so yeah, and it looks more like now like a, a top with a skirt. Right, right, right. So as opposed to the whole skirt outfit, you know, dress before. So anyway, Lady is just fighting Ant Man and the Wasp, and it's right. Ant, so Ant Man in his seventies costume. Yeah, I mean it's hard to tell because he's drawn very small, which is cool. But like you can see, he has the white pants with like the little things on the side. Whatever the mm-hmm. hell those. That's amusing. And what else? Damn it, page is not moving. Move page, uh, move, move, <laughs> move page. There we go. And uh, and right. meanwhile, meanwhile, Rick is using Marvel's body to fight Annihilus, and it's all. I mean, at this point, I was I was sort of feeling like page filling punch him up. Like there wasn't a whole lot of narrative no. flow. Like this this is the point at which we fill pages with action, but it's like it's I don't know. It's all very empty action to me. It's all yeah. just kind of there. I wasn't like really feeling a- either of these fights. Yeah, well, there's a lot less in this issue besides the action. I mean, yeah, you have a few panels here or there, but I mean, like half of that first issue, the last issue was all about the character and mm-hmm. Rick leaving Luan and dealing with Mordecai, meeting this person and saying goodbye to the Avengers. Like, there's a lot more of it in that first issue. This one is, it's in between the action pages. Yeah. You know, it's like the little, like, here's a panel for that. Yeah. It's more, this is more typical, a stereotypical, let's say. Because Starlin's work was definitely a bit more atypical. And, and Mordecai gets, Mordecai gets clocked again. Yes. And I love that this does not dissuade him. Like, he is not yet persuaded that uh, trying to manage Rick Jones is more painful and more trouble than it could possibly be worth. I love that he has not given up on this yet. And he gets powed in the face. Yep. And lunatic and, and lunatic lays living lasers about to do away with Rick when suddenly he dies. What? And it was the wasp. But like he dies. Like he done got killed. Yeah. Oh, guess what? He'll get better. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, but this man has plastic and metal insides. He was a cyborg. Your short circuit killed him. Oh, no. You know, well, still, she stopped him. No one yeah. Else did. Yeah. I, I, I do like one thing. So I'm listening to episodes of John's other show, Make Ours Marvel. 
Mm-hmm. And I forget if it's specifically, I think it might be, uh, I'm not sure which which book it is, but there's whatever book where there's like more than one character, including male and female, and they always have it be that, oh, it's like they're talking about Fantastic Four at the time. And everything that Sue does, um, I think the episodes I'm listening to, they're, they're, they're talking about the issues from like the mid 40s of Fantastic Four. Okay. So, you know, like, right, it's like the Inhuman story and just before the Galactus. Right, and they're right, saying right. like everything that Sue does, though they always have the script in there that Reed told her to do it. Oh man, like, it's nothing in there is like her idea. It's like Sue, turn invisible. I'm glad Reed told me to turn invisible and hide or whatever, you know, or use my force field. And I like here as a, it's like a complete opposite to that. It's he's at Hank's asking what uh, Jen. So what did you do? Because it's not that you know she doesn't come up and say you were right, Hank. Right, right, right. You know? I, I did like, it, but I was just your tool. It's like, she was like, this is my plan. Okay, wife, out with it. What did you do? Okay, I have issues with that verbiage, but yeah, no, I see what you're saying. It's good that she acted on her own initiative there. Um, I, I still have a problem with the fact that it's presented like she messed it up, so to speak. Yeah, she acted on her own, but she accidentally killed a dude. Yeah, but that's they were saying, though, the only reason is because he, uh, because of the uh, mechanics inside of him was worse than if it was just human, which okay, is she probably knew from the living laser from, I'm assuming if we had probably looked at those issues from the living laser beforehand, like Avengers 79, he mm-hmm. probably was just human with a costume as opposed to enhanced. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. But, um, but then anyway, we cut he's back out. Yep. He's, he's, he's done. So, and now we cut back to, uh, this weird punch him up between Annihilus and Captain Marvel. And he finally beats Annihilus enough or knocks him out. That's right. I like this bit though. This was this wasn't because even even in, in in an action scene as perfunctory as this one, you have to come up with a clever out. And I do like this one that they came up with the the new uh, photon trail that um, uh, Marvel oh, yeah. leaves. And and when when Annihilus runs into it, it's like matter meets antimatter, boomity, or kerbloom as the uh, kerbloom as the uh, sound effect has it. Yes, we will ignore the fact that Captain Marvel's entire body is obviously from the positive universe and would be positive matter, and therefore should have been the same thing before. But let's ignore that. Right, exactly, exactly. Beep, 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 beep. And Don't so care. <laughs> he clangs, he clangs uh, again, and Captain Marvel appears in the hospital, and so he is able to get medical attention or something. Yes, because apparently you're in. St- it's weird. So you can move and do things and have conversations and fights and get knocked out and wake up and stuff in the negative zone. But apparently medical stuff, whatever happens to your body from the positive universe just stays paused. Right. Which is what they said before. So that, that was why he wasn't worried about it because Marvel would be fine in the negative zone. Right. It's like, right. Okay. I, I, I okay. Uh, uh, okay. I can say about that. Yeah, and if I love you say so. I love that it, I love this as we have the Scooby Doo wrap up here, um, the 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 very Hanna Barbera ish uh, wrap up of the episode, so to speak. Um, that Rick references Howard the Duck. Yeah. Oh, that's wait, kind wait, of wacky. Quick, that's right. It, yeah, but real quick, um on that bottom panel when he clangs and brings Marvel into the hospital. Right. And apparently, right. he doesn't even sit him down. He just 
does it in the air, does it as he's walking, so Marvel just falls to the ground. Right, exactly. Clump. We also have to deal with the concussion this guy must have just had. Look at the blood on the floor. Oh, wait. <laughs> bottom of this page, Dandy's back to straight hair. What? Yes. What? And a full dress. Right. But also, yeah, on the, the editors, uh, the doctors, no, sorry, Carol Danvers is thinking, I don't know where the Jones boy disappeared to, but surely enough, Captain Marvel needed that antidote. And here's the editor's box. We know Marvel lasted this long because his body lapsed into stasis while in the negative zone. Well, oh, good lord! Like the 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 filling the 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 spinning back filling going on here is uh, excessive. Now it could kind of work in the fact that like Marvel's if they, they had if like it's supposed to be Marvel's always like that body's like always like that in the negative zone and Rick going there, controlling it, because Rick is from art, you know, the positive universe, that mm-hmm. could work if it wasn't for the fact that even in this issue, we see Rick in the negative zone moving around and awake. Yeah, like, yeah. If, if they had shown, even if they retconned it this issue, you know, compared different from before, and if in this issue we saw Rick unconscious in the negative zone, mm-hmm. you could at least go with that it's like okay it's a bit of a retcon but they're starting you know new creative team and they're kind of changing things for themselves yeah yeah go with that a little bit a little bit not as much not fully but a bit but it's like you didn't even do it it's not even consistent from the whole issue yeah no it's 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 all very sloppy like without starlin at the helm like this all feels very rushed and sloppy and kind of yeah, I have a feeling that they might have found a little late that Starlin was leaving. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, no, and I mean it makes sense. It's the way comics were done back in the day. I totally get the 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 meta of it all, but it doesn't make the the reading of it any more enjoyable. No, knowing why it's like this doesn't make me like this any better. Oh no, granted, but it does at least give us. I, I felt we needed to do this just to finish off our compound 13 story so oh sure the next thing it you know fills in everything i don't care al i'm never forgiving you for this no (laughs) oh there's a line for that trust me (laughs) i'm not your first victim Uh, i'll tell you about that later (laughs) but yeah you're right we end up the scooby-doo ending of mordecai boggs as i always say we can't all drive the straight and narrow yeah yeah and that's it for those two issues of Captain Marvel. So next we have the big thing. The big the thing. next big story of Captain Marvel. Besides, <laughs> and I'm not talking about next to the Lunatic Legion story. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it was it's probably one of the earliest, quote unquote, events I can remember existing in, 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 in my comic fandom. So, yeah. It's that time in the episode again, time to do our feedback. And this time we are talking feedback from episode 154, Hulk is Hulk. That was part six of our Wilderness Years coverage. And in that episode, we talked about Hulk 248, Thor 314, and 317 with guests John M. Wilson and David Spothorf. On Facebook, the post about that episode got likes and shares from Joe Sedano, Mirko Mackey, Jesse Starcher, Gene Hendricks, Pat Sampson, and Ruth Sutherland. On Twitter, we got likes and retweets from hashtag source material, Vietwin, HeroesCon, AA-1869. I believe that's their table at HeroesCon, so if you're going there, check them out. They are a fellow collective member, and they're part of the EMP and EMX podcasts. George Neves, Capes and Lunatics, 
Bitches on Comics, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast. Queerspec, home of decodedpride.com. David Finn, Alan Sharp, Ghost Spider Groupies, Comics Are For Everyone, Jason Snick Venable, Fan Film Fridays Podcast, Chris Lydon, Trapped in a World, Anti-Wife Equation, JohnReadsComics.com, Gamma Charge, the strongest podcast there is, Into the Night, Truth, Justice, and Hope, Glowing with Iridescent Rainbow Fire, Doc Strange, Just Another Fanboy, and Goth Spider-Man. You can also hear me pretty much every week on the L-E-G-I-O-N-P-O-D cast. On that show, we talk about the late 80s, early 90s DC sci-fi series, Legion. That is the one with the acronym in the name and logo in it, and not Legion of Superheroes. And you can find that on the Legion of Substitute Podcasters feed. Links will be in the show notes. Speaking of the Legion of Substitute Podcasters, we did a crossover of them just the other week. So if you want want to, go check out also Legion of Substitute Podcasters, episode 713, and I will be on there as well. All right, here's a part where I tell you how you can have your name said here or tell me your thoughts about the issues we covered today. Send us an email, resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. Go to our Facebook page, just type in Adam Warlock or Thanos in the search box, you'll find us. On Tumblr, resurrectionspodcast.tumblr.com, or go follow and talk to us on Twitter, at AdamThanosPod. And finally, just want to remind you again, this show is part of The Collective. The Collective was started by a few like-minded podcasters who wanted to network in the most traditional sense. It has become a repository for ideas, crossovers, and potential guest appearances, and you will hear a promo for one of the other Collective shows right now. Are you a fan of comic books? Are you a fan of comic book villains? Well, join me, Russell, as we take a walk on the dark side with Tomes of Evil, the podcast dedicated to discussing, analyzing, and overall glorifying the villains of Marvel Comics, DC Comics, and all your favorite indie books. Tomes of Evil, a comic book building podcast. Originally in the planning for this episode, was going to continue on with our discussion of the Death of Captain Marvel graphic novel. But... That talk basically would fill up a whole nother episode. So, decided, that's what we're going to do. So we're going to stop it here, be back next episode, Brian will be back, we're going to be talking about the death of Captain Marvel, and we got Ray from the Into the Night podcast here to talk about a special eulogy story that was done in a backup of Marvel Fanfare. Alright, see you in about two weeks. Bye. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended, or happening, or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, 
and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. So hold on a minute. Let me start another promo, and I'll give you the synopsis for Marvel graphic novel number one, The Death of Captain Marvel. <laughs> 